there's days that are going to be like you had yesterday for everybody. And you're going to not feel good the first hour. And the voices and the emotions and the self-talk that's happening in those moments, that's where you have to trust in your fitness. You have to trust in the work that you've invested in yourself in the training. And that's not miles run at a certain pace or distance or yard swim in the pool. That's the consistency of the daily emotions you have in training, right? Where you build that foundation that, yes, I will finish this. I know I can. And you don't even have to dig into those yesterday. You just know deep down inside, I've done the work. I will traverse this distance. I don't have to think too much or ask myself too hard to do too much about it. It's going to be a difficult day. And here we go. That's Chris Howth, and this is another edition of Coach's Corner on the Rich Roll Podcast. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey, everybody. My name is Rich Roll. I am your host. Welcome to my podcast and a very special uh, Coach's Corner edition of the show featuring... Uh, a race recap on our Eau de Lowe performance. I'm here with Chris Hout, my coach, my friend, and my teammate. How you doing, Chris? Awesome. <sighs> it was a big day yesterday. What an experience. Unbelievable, absolutely incredible. Uh, we're gonna unpack it all, but first let's take care of a little business. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel, but what you wear isn't just clothes. It is without a doubt technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor-fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team from increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by a very exciting brand new sponsor, Go Brewing. I am sober. I don't drink. And I devoted so many episodes of this podcast to the unreal benefits of an alcohol-free lifestyle. Why? Because even if you don't have issues with booze and suds, no amount of alcohol is good for you. At a minimum, it wreaks havoc on your sleep and produces a hangover that destroys your energy, your mood, and your focus. At worst, it turns your whole life upside down. But 
no longer does that mean you have to break up with your favorite brew because my pals at Go Brewing are making all your favorite brews minus the alcohol, fewer calories, and more productive tomorrows. It's not every day that I get the privilege to witness the inception of a company collaborating with our podcast, but that's exactly what happened with Go Brewing. I'm gonna tell you this story. A few years back, I spoke at this event in Illinois, fittingly named Go, and it turns out that that very day catalyzed Joe, the founder, to start his own NA beer company, Go Brewing. I had no idea about any of this until I bumped into Joe at Jesse Itzler's Running Man event the other month in Georgia, and he shared this story with me I savored his fare in all its varieties and deeply moved by the mission and what he shared with me and just impressed with the insane taste and quality of his alcohol-free concoctions, I wanted to help share the discovery. Made with natural ingredients faithful to traditional beer styles, Go Brewing has an impressive lineup of delicious, small-batch, craft, alcohol-free brews, all without added sugar or artificial processing. My favorite is their double IPA, not just another story, but basically you just really can't go wrong because everything they make is brewed to perfection, worthy of trying yourself, which you can now do at gobrewing.com. That's gobrewing.com and use the code richroll for 15% off your first purchase. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support, and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life and recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. All right, we did it. Let's talk about Odalo, Chris. You ready to talk about it? How are you feeling today? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm excited to talk about it, hear the, share the epic stories that went throughout our day yesterday. So many epic stories. Uh, Please tell me you're sore. I'm a little sore, yeah. 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 Uh, my major malfunction right now, beyond the fact that like I can't go downstairs and I'm walking around like John Wayne, you know, <laughs> like just bow-legged and stuff, 
is the top bone on my left foot. I feel mm. like I fractured it. Like it's just, it's really irritating me. Mm. I think I might have to get it x-rayed when I go home. Hopefully it <laughs> goes away pretty quickly. That, yeah. Maybe your shoes were just tied a little too I tight. I hope so. That's yeah. what I, that's what I'm hoping. Or that log that fell on it, which we didn't notice. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, so many things happen. Like I, I have all these scratches and bruises all over my body. I don't know where I got any of them. The whole thing was a crazy blur, but I guess to kind of uh, launch into it, um, and for people that are kind of just tuning in now and have no context for this, can you just break down what it is that we just did yesterday? Well, we were secluded on some islands outside of Stockholm and given a task to go from point A to B over what was it, 20 islands and a total of 10 kilometers of swimming and about 42 miles of running mm -hmm. to get across it in some extreme conditions, in an extreme location, in extreme temperatures. Everything was extreme out there. Right. So this is called Odele. Odele. <laughs> I think I finally got it after, after butchering it. Odele. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's close enough. Which means for, island to which island. Which means island to island. And this is the premier event, the world championship event in what is a series of other races, similar races like this, all leading up to this, you know, culminating in this world championship event. Um, and so the best uh, teams in the world all descend upon this island called Sandham, which is on the outer reaches of the archipelago, the series of islands that are on the outskirts of Stockholm. Um, we took a ferry out the day before all the athletes and crew people and support staff, you know, all went out to this island and, and stayed and in this hotel. You, and as you head out, the environment becomes more and more ominous. Too. Yeah, it's pretty intense. It was fairly mild in Stockholm when we left. And by the time we arrived in Sandham, it was raining. It was cold. There were white caps everywhere on the, uh, you know, on the sea. It was looking very treacherous and, uh, foreboding to say the least yeah yeah, yeah so we woke up at 4 a.m and, and to uh, say with that all night it's blowing and howling yeah and it's we're in this little hotel inn on this island and it is just rattling and the the um, flag stands are just howling all night it's pretty intense i was well aware of that because as i could hear your heavy breathing in the bed next to me i was wide awake like the whole night i was so nervous i just couldn't i think i got like maybe an hour an hour and a half of sleep all night just butterflies in my stomach for what was to what was to come so uh so yeah so how many teams were there um it was a total of 300 competitors so 150 teams mm -hmm. and uh and a lot of these teams, these guys have been doing these races for a long time. Like they're, it's a very specific discipline. You think just because you know how to swim well and you know how to run well, or you can run long distances that you're sort of well suited to this, but it is a, uh, an exacting, uh, kind of discipline, uh, that is very, um, specific to this particular kind of terrain. And I think that was the biggest sort of surprise to me. Like I'd watched all the videos. I did the homework. I thought I knew what to expect, and it just delivered me a completely different menu. Yes, but also keep in mind that this world championship is different than the others, where it is more swimming and running as we're more familiar with. But this one is the extreme version of it because it's the original, and so they put you in a harsher, 
more difficult environment with also a lot of the adventure racing aspect to it that mm-hmm. we experienced yesterday. Yeah, and I think the biggest, most dominating uh, character in the whole event is the terrain and the weather. And so when we get up, there's literally gale force winds, it's raining out, there's white caps in the sea, it's dark out, and they're saying like, yeah, it's gonna be a tough day. Like, like it's a tough day on the best day, the easiest conditions. And they were like, yeah, this might be, this might be one for the record books. And we found out after from a lot of the organizers how close they were to delaying or canceling parts of it because we were so exposed to the Baltic Sea and how the weather was hitting us in the swims. Mm-hmm. So, so the race starts out, it starts out with a, a 1200 meter run that's fairly controlled. And then you jump into the sea for your first swim, which is the longest swim of the event, about a 17, seven, I think 1750 meters. Um, and it's kind of a shock to the system when you first jump in that water. I mean, it was cold. The one the good thing is that it wasn't that cold. Like, I think it looked, if you look at the photos, it looked colder than it was, but the water temp was actually kind of fine. Yeah, for sure. But immediately you get the chop and the currents and the swells, and you're immediately uh, very aware that it's you're in for a long day. Yeah, and the gray and dark background that you're trying to sight on the swims, you quickly realize this is not gonna be easy sighting for the rest of the day. Those no. islands are pretty low. So you have to get some serious height to see over the chop and the waves to even sight where you're going. Right, and there's so many islands out there during the pig swim, which I wanna talk about in a minute, yeah, the swells were so large that I lost sight of the beacon a couple times. You know, you really had to be conscious of what you were doing. And it was so easy to suddenly be going in the wrong direction and heading towards, you think you're going to the right island, you're going to a totally different totally island. Different. Which for the first swim, they have this strobe light, which already, that's so cool. This strobe light shooting across this mi- over a mile swim mm-hmm. that we're doing right to start. And so you're trying to focus on the strobe light and you quickly realize you're losing it in the swell and the chop and the wind gusts that <laughs> your your senses are quickly turned on. Right. I gotta pay attention here. Right. So we jump in at the same time and I kind of swam in your wake for a little bit and you got a, a, you know sort of progressively a little bit further and further ahead of me until I kind of lost you all together and I fell in with another group. Um, but when I climbed out, I was able to find you right away and immediately uh, you're hit with like vintage Odolo, like like trying to climb up that first rock with the rain and everything. Everything is so slippery. Like I could not get my, you were trying to pull me up and I was sliding back down into the water and like yeah. falling on my face. And that just became the theme for the entire day. That and. It's, you're so exposed immediately out of the water and you realize that there's nothing out there and you hear the wind howling. And you're like, okay, here we go. Right. And it was a, that first swim is a big shipping lane. I mean, it was a wide berth to get across that. And then the first run segment uh, is basically you jockey around the coastline. You kind of hug the coast and you're hopscotching over wet, loose rocks boulders covered in branches moss and your yeah brambles you know everyone's slipping and falling and you see these guys who are very skilled at this just like gazelles jumping over this thing like gracefully just passing everybody and i realized like that is a skill that i do not have you know like i just i was slipping so much part of that i think is i made the wrong shoe choice like this the the surface of the bottom of the shoe that i was wearing just didn't grip the the rocks at all and 
I fell so many times in the beginning or just lost my balance that I lost trust in in the ability of my shoe to kind of ground me when my foot landed, which added a lot of anxiety and stress um, and also made me take it very gingerly, which put a lot of pressure on my quads because you're kind of flexing at the knee a lot. Um, and I realized like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Like I knew there would be a lot of technical stuff and that just became what most of it was like running on wet rocks, uh, and scrambling up, you know, boulder faces on all fours, slipping around. I mean, I fell on my butt at least a dozen times, but keep in mind also to, to set the scene. It's not like you just fall here. If you fell, you fall into a bouldering crevasse almost right. where it goes straight down, not just into the water, but a bunch of rocks protruding out of the water. I mean, you can quickly really injure yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's not like slipping and, oh, you just fall and you're right there. You fall and fall, slide down into other rocks and into these little you know, canyons. I mean, it's pretty gnarly out there. Right, so case in point, uh, within the first kilometer of the first run, we see a woman running in the wrong, like towards us in the wrong direction because her teammate, I believe, slipped and fell and hit his head on a rock. And you saw him. I didn't yeah, see him, but lying. you were like, he was unconscious. Yeah, he was just lying there you know, with a helper, a local who lives on the island, just holding him calm or holding his hand as he was eyes backwards and his head laying on the ground. I mean, it was. And, and the race hadn't even started yet. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, oh my God. Yeah. And when the when the dust settled, I think there were, were there was it 23 or 32 teams DNF'd? Yeah, I think 118 teams or 111 teams finished out of the 150. So right. yeah. So that's a pretty high attrition rate. I'd be curious to know how many of them uh, dropped out due to injury versus not making the time cutoff. I know there were a lot of teams that, that weren't making the time cutoff. Well, we cutoffs. saw people with stitches on their chins. We saw people who have broken their foot and mm-hmm. leg. Um, there was a lot of carnage might, out there. I might be one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm realizing now. But yeah, so at about 90 minutes in, my quads just were searing with lactic acid. And I, you know, it was so much more anaerobic work and strength work, like functional strength, strength the, work. The climbing straight up. I mean, envision just not 12, 13, or 18. We're talking 20 plus percent on these boulders straight out of the water and holding on with all fours to get up to the next step. And either I'd be waiting there and try to give you a hand, but even then you still have to push yourself up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So, and that's something I didn't train for at all and I don't have any experience in. Like to do, if I was to do it again, I would try to work on that a little bit so I could withstand that kind of, um, that, that type of exertion. I felt really confident about our endurance base going in. I mean, we put in some big days and some long runs um, and sort of the game plan going into it was that we were going to you know, pace ourselves and rely on that endurance base to kick in in the last couple hours. The longest run is near the end, it's 13 miles. And so the idea was once we hit that, then we can kind of open it up and, and strut our stuff and, and show what we're capable of and hopefully pass a bunch of teams and make a lot of headway there. But at that 90 minute mark, I, I started to get concerned about just surviving the day. And when we finally did get, there were, the, the thing is like in the first half of the race, there, I think there were only two spots where you could actually run, like just legitimately run where open it was open enough to run like how we think of running. Everything else was tiptoeing and bouldering and 
climbing over logs and you know going through we 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 went through this we went through this bog where the reeds were as high as your head and we're just like traipsing through mud that was up you know almost up to our knees i mean it was much more like the vast majority of the quote unquote running was stuff like that yeah adventure racing sort of getting through terrain somehow <laughs> some way right. literally bushwhacking now i understand why they wanted us to have a compass <laughs> and a whistle you know like i can see the logic in that at this point and i can also see the logic in why why teams tether to each other which well, is we learned we about do. that. Yeah, right. there's a there's a lot of logic now afterwards, and we knew this going into it. Like, we're, if we had any ambitions with regards to placing, it would have been crazy to think that as to complete newbies that we would understand it. So mm -hmm. that's why we already knew going into it. Listen, we're going to just experience this, and if our fitness is good enough to to have fun at the front, so be it. Even then, we still wouldn't know what was coming ahead of us. Right. Yeah. But this way, it was. Um, we learned a lot, yeah. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, it became evident uh, very early on, at least for me, how much I didn't know versus how much I, I knew. And I definitely thought I knew more than I did. And we can sit here and try to explain it all. But the truth of the matter is, you just it, unless you were there, it's just hard to grasp just how extraordinary and magnificent and intense the the experience and the landscape is like it's it's nature writ large in every sense of the word yeah i mean i think that was my biggest takeaway too on how you do not control anything out there you are just trying to make your way through this terrain through this environment through those conditions from point a to point b and the weather and the terrain controls you yeah for sure and, uh, and and so once you know once my quads started giving me the, these problems very early on, I had to let go of my you know just surrender my ego, surrender my ex you know let go of any expectations, just detach from all of it, and just say okay we're just here, let's enjoy this day, let's get through it, we're gonna finish it, and try to enjoy it as much as we can with all the suffering that it had to dole out. Yeah, and I mean, and I think it's interesting because we both come to from diff different backgrounds of racing in the endurance world. You know, I'm more in the Ironman racing and finishing at the front, and you're more a super extreme with Ultraman and so on, where you manage yourself through. And so, us both getting to a point around two, three hours in, where it's like, all right, we gotta. Just, this is our day now, you know. But the cool thing was. I never at any point doubted that we're not going to finish the race. Like, yeah, that would never came into consideration. Yeah, I, I don't think it, yeah. even even our body language or anything was never in any way that we're not going to finish this. And despite, I mean, and we might get to this, some of the swims being experiences that we will never have an opportunity to experience again unless we do some crazy um, solo thing because you would never get permits. <laughs> or, yeah, or anything like we did yesterday in the United States or many other places in the world, nor would we choose without the support and the safety craft to do what we did yesterday. So therefore, then if the, this, the adventure of it and the enjoyment of it and realizing, wow, this is so cool. We're getting to do something that we'll never get to do again in our lives was unbelievably memorable. Yeah, there's no question about that. I mean, I think that for me, that all came into crystal focus uh, during the pig swim. 
which for me was the highlight of the whole experience. And this is a swim that takes place about halfway through the race. Uh, it's the, I think it's the second longest swim, yeah. but is it is the most, it's 1400 meters. It's the most exposed swim. It's on the far outer reaches of the archipelago. So you jump in the water and to your right, there's nothing but Baltic sea. There's no yeah. more islands. And on this particular day, the winds were, I don't know how fast the winds were going, but they were legit gale force winds, yeah. sideways rain, and not just white caps. These were swells that I think got up to about six feet at yeah. points, like oh, yeah. anywhere between three and six feet. Of they swell. were saying two to three meters. Right. Two to three meters. Yeah. Wow. So much so that that the boats were pitching, like it didn't even look safe for the boats to be out there. And that was their biggest concern. Um, the organizers after the race said, our concern wasn't the athletes, because of course they're super prepared for this and they're in the water. And while that seems daunting, it's the safety boats and the safety staff that are not prepared to be out there in this that they were more concerned about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it was treacherous. And when you say like this could never take place in the United States, it, it would just be an impossibility. You would the, no insurance company would underwrite. Well, the Coast Guard, <laughs> the Coast Guard would have shut that yeah, thing down. There's yesterday. no, you cannot let people no. swim out here. And Absolutely. in Sweden, they're like, looks fine to me. Go yeah. for it, you got. I mean, the fact that, th that in Sweden and the history of this race, they were still thinking about modifying the course, given yeah. how given the conditions, says a lot because anything goes at this thing. Yeah, and fourteen hundred meters doesn't sound that far. And nor when we looked at it, I mean, we were getting our 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 distances. We were understanding them better during the race because yeah. later in this in the race, we would look at like a six hundred meter swim and be like, "Oh, uh oh, here we go!" <laughs> yeah. Right. Whereas before, we'd like ah six hundred meters, whatever. But because of the conditions, it made it that much more daunting. But fourteen hundred meters for the pig swim, like it doesn't sound that bad. But when we're on the top of that cliff and you can barely see that strobe over there and the white caps and the currents moving, and then you see these boats tilting that are in the middle of that crossing, and then you realize you're squinting just to see those boats because of the rain and the wind. Like, I can't even see the boat halfway. I know, it was beyond absurd, <sighs> but I loved it. Like, that was the most fun yeah. of the whole experience because I'm out like halfway into that swim. We lost touch with each, with each other. I didn't even, I don't even know where you were. Um, and there was one boat that I could kind of see. And then, you know, every third or fourth stroke, I could see the strobe light, but it was easy to get disoriented, but you're just getting pitched in the waves. And you're just like, what am I even doing out here? Yeah. This is crazy. Like I would never do something like this. I'll, I may never, ever again do something like this. This is truly a once in a lifetime experience. And I just felt like this overwhelming sense of like, like gratitude, like I'm yeah. in the middle of this craziest thing you can possibly imagine. And I like smiled. I was yeah. like, this is awesome. I was the same This was swimming like, like I'm gonna get across, like just relax. Yeah. And it's a, a great kind of test or example of how you have to let go. Like yeah. you're, you, you can't fight these currents. You can't control any of this. Just swim the best you can, keep that beacon in sight, pick your line stay focused on that and like just relax yeah. you'll get across i was laughing at times because you're just swimming along going i can't believe this my my body got completely turned sideways i got hit by a wave and next thing i was facing completely south <laughs> <laughs> yeah you could very easy you could and, easily be 
turn around and start oh. heading back where you came from oh, and not even notice know. it because yeah. of the, the 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 waves would hit you from the side you get knocked around a few times my paddle got knocked off it's hanging on my wrist you know i'm stopping to fix that and I'm, I'm underwater i mean you you miss a breath and you can quickly understand too what it's like in open ocean for some of these pe mm -hmm. swimmers or people who are rescue swimmers and stuff like that it was so intense and then you look up and you see these boats just getting tossed and turned and you're like i'm glad to be in the water yeah i know <laughs> because those right? guys look it's miserable safer. Yeah. yeah it's safer and they look sick on there right and every every finish of every swim, you, you don't just like run up run up on the shore. Like every single one had this like twenty percent sheer rock face that you had to scramble up on all fours, like literally on all fours, like bouldering up these things to try to get it. And then you kind of crest it, and then the wind. You just yeah. like the wind was insane. Well, even before that, I mean, I was thinking a few times in the United States if they put this race together. And you're getting slammed against rocks by waves. Yeah. <laughs> they would call it right there. Yeah. I mean, you, you, like there was no that one swim exit. where there was that little lighthouse buoy thing. Yeah. And like we were trying to track around it. And like it would be so easy to just crash right into that yeah. thing, and get racked up. Yep. Yeah, and be stuck. Yeah. And if you tried to, if you pick the wrong exit point on that swim, you you're get getting washed, washed, out. Yeah, washed out to sea against boulders. Yeah. And against boulders. But a few times, even the organizers said, well, we'll pick you up three, four hundred meters down the coast. <laughs> You're like, what? I, I and then know. the next day, we understood what they were talking about. Yeah, like, I know. Oh my gosh. It's unbelievable. Like yeah. you watch the videos, you see the photos, and they all look epic. But like to be in it, it was just, just fantastic. Yeah, it really yeah. was. I'm super proud to announce. My next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. But uh, but yeah, it was. I would say it was the hardest one day thing I've ever done in my life. Like it, it really tested me to to my core. Like I had to dig so deep just to get moving. Like you're you're constantly bending over to duck underneath branches. Like my back was so tight, and it just every aspect of of just trying to traverse the terrain and keep moving without stopping was daunting. And keep in mind, every time we fell or tripped or something, that's so many extra movements where, you, where you're sore and then all of a sudden you have to catch yourself properly and then go back to running. There's no rhythm in this at all. Right. Um, and again, you know, the game plan, the idea was that when we finally would reach like open space and we could run that you, you sort of like you, you gingerly go through the tricky, treacherous technical aspects and you pick your moments to drop the hammer and go hard when it opens up. But I just didn't, I didn't have it in the tank to do it. Like I felt the, the thing that was looping in my mind was I just felt bad because I was holding you back. I mean, for the record, like you were fresh as a daisy throughout the entire thing. I was like, if Chris wasn't with me, he'd be up with the leaders. Like I felt, I felt terrible 
about that. And I, and I, at one point I even said to you, I was like, I'm sorry, man. Like I'm, I'm literally, I'm trying as hard as I can, but I just don't have any more to give. Like, I just got to like, like put the blinders on and just make sure that I finish this thing and I don't cramp up or anything like that. But we had with that, because of all that, if we were like charging and being aggressive and so on, I don't think we would have enjoyed this day and experienced it the way we did um, nearly as much. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact that we could sort of relax and sort of take it all in, like stop for a moment before a swim and look at what we're doing or meet people on the course the way we did. I mean, there sure there's competition but then there's also like let's take a moment exactly and take a moment and understand where we are and i like i told you yesterday during the race i was like we signed up for this together like there's who cares like i could have tripped and rolled my ankle i could have had a a cramps as well like it is it is what it is and here we are and we're going to do this and the fun and the the fun is the wrong word the 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 confidence deep down inside knowing that we were going to finish it and this is just going to take a little bit longer was very assuring all the time. And I never had to think about it because I knew you're pretty steady and tough like that, that you are going to just find your pace for your day and we're going to get through it. Mm-hmm. And, and and it was. And we finished and it was, it was just such an overwhelming emotional day in that aspect aspect oh so much so you know so much so i mean there were moments you know the interesting thing is in a race of this length and distance for anybody who's done anything you know in the in the realm of this understands there are moments where you feel great and there are moments where you feel terrible the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs and to be able to just relax with that and know like i feel terrible right now but that doesn't necessarily mean that's how you're going to feel an hour later or yeah. two hours later and just be like, just keep going, just ride it out. But here's the coach's corner part of it. And that is there's days that are going to be like you had yesterday for everybody, where even after the first you know, eight to 10, 12, 20 hour event, and you're going to not feel good already. Right. The first hour and the voices and the emotions and the self-talk that's happening those in those moments, because you know, this is, I knew it was gonna be difficult, but now it's gonna be even more difficult mm-hmm. because I'm not feeling good. That's where you have to trust in your fitness. You have to trust in the work that you've invested in yourself in the training. And that's not miles run at a certain pace or distance or yard swim in the pool. That's the consistency of the daily emotions you have in training. Right where you build that foundation that yes, I will finish this. I know I can, and you don't even have to dig into those yesterday. You just know deep down inside, I've done the work. I will traverse this distance. I don't have to think too much or ask myself too hard to do too much about it. It's going to be a difficult day, and here we go. Yeah, and and that was definitely uh, my mindset, and you know I was able to tap into that because of my experience in other races and just all the work that we've done together, like everything that you've, that you've prepared me for in the past. So yeah, that 90 minute mark when my legs felt like I can't even run anymore. Um, I knew that somehow I was still, you know, when there's nine hours left that I was still going to be able to finish because of that work. And it was interesting, like every time we would jump into the water, it was so refreshing. Like I, I was like, ah, oh, cool down your core body temp. 
let the legs relax a little bit. They cool down. They start feeling good. You're kind of dragging them behind you. And I would think, well, maybe that'll just flush it all out and I'm going to feel better running on the next segment. But then you're faced with climbing up that rock again and you just repeat the whole process over and over and But over what again. you just tapped into too is that endless optimism you need to have during an ultra endurance event. You keep wanting to think ahead to it will be get it, it could possibly get better. So therefore, I'm going to continue to charge on, to march on, stay steady. Don't get emotionally too high or too low. Who knows? Maybe the back half of this, I'll feel great. Mm-hmm. So that's that endless optimism that a lot of ultra endurance athlete athletes, I think, display because they're like, who knows? I have the experience of knowing that something good might still be happening down the road. And so I'm just going to keep plugging away. Yeah. And I felt that that last three and a half K, the final run to the finish shoot, like I was able to run, you know, yeah. in a way that I hadn't been able to do all day long. Although I had to yell at you the yeah, first time well, all day. Well, we hit hours, that hill. Yeah. yeah, here's the thing. You're finishing <laughs> up, you're coming into this town, you can see the ferry and the pier and you see the flags and you're like, there's the finish line. It's right there. And instead of finishing right there, instead there's a sign that says turn left and you go straight up this hill for like a a half mile. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) And then that was the one time where you were like, stop it. Yeah. And he's like, well, I think I might have to walk here. I go, we're not walking on the last. Yeah. (laughs) You can, if you cramp, you'll cramp, but let's cramp or get to the finish line and deal with cramping right. then. <laughs> I know yeah, that was, a, I mean, what a way to finish it though. Like, right. I mean, yeah. it was, a, it was like, I didn't know that. I didn't know the map well enough to know that that was there. So it the was insult. more the surprise. Yeah. Like <laughs> just like, let's just grind you one more time before we let you off the hook here. Yeah. What was the, the highlight and the low point for you? I would say the pig swim as well, just knowing that it was such a unique thing. And it, we've talked to other athletes after the race, and even those that have done Eutel a few times have said, this was the, that was the funnest year to do the pig swim. That was just so exciting. The low point, I don't know if I really had a low point emotionally. I mean, physically, of course, you go through highs and lows of you know, lower energy, and I needed an aid station or needed to drink something. But... It was just so, so much to take in from those beautiful forests to those amazing islands. And the, the, the scenery was so harsh, but yet alive that I never felt emotionally low because it was just so much positive, mm-hmm. extreme input. But um, no, I, I mean, the fun part too was learning a lot about myself with regards to racing with somebody for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest with you is the first 90 minutes when you were struggling to figure out like what why your quads were bothering you and what was going on of also being able to say you know what you know this is this is a team thing and you know it's the first time in right. my life where i've ever had to do that and you're like you come can, on you can, <laughs> seriously <laughs> you could tell though early on i was still saying hey you know just settle in or let's take this a little bit harder here because then we'll work away around this and i was still trying to be a little bit strategic but then after a while it's like you know what let's just back into this is our day and now let's make the best of our day mm-hmm. versus comparing to others or our expectations yeah, well, as far as I could tell, you were nothing but positive and encouraging and relaxed about the whole thing, which went a long way 
to helping me relax and just you know allow it to happen as a, if you were like 90 come, we're 90 minutes come on man like i trained you better than that you know if it was like that i may i probably would have gone into some kind of weird spiral well, i tried a few times where i said the remember i was like you know just try to find your running stride that you have on your long runs at home like try to find that place where your body is in rhythm with your mind that was helpful feel. so i was trying a few times to just take you away from this extreme conditions and put your mind back onto some of the beautiful trails you run and you're light on your feet remember i kept saying try to be light on your feet yeah. run your stride like at home not thinking about this treacherous footing here yeah like find a rhythm and maybe that will help versus being tight right focus so much on the ground and where we are and like oh my gosh so i hope that helped a bit yeah it definitely helped although then i would remember that i'm like the, the other thing that happens is <laughs> your shoes fill with all kinds of detritus like i had dirt and gravel and like little stones underneath my yeah. so you're like doing these this crazy long run with all this stuff in your shoes you know that ordinarily you would just stop and like shake them out or whatever yeah. but you like well if i do that it's just gonna happen again in yeah. a half an hour so yeah. you just have to like go all right this is what it is you did change shoes the day before the race i did i know <laughs> i know I still had mine. I don't it drain I, nicely. Well, the shoes that I wore, I think I still they had a they had the some black, good support. Yeah, you yeah. know, like and I think that was good. Like the other shoe I was going to wear was a very light kind of. Light. I think it would have been too light. It, it probably would have gripped better on the mm -hmm. slippery stuff, but I think it would have banged me up pretty good because it it didn't have enough like sort of support. It would have hurt the quads for sure. Yeah. More, yeah. So, you know, not the best shoe, but, you know, yeah, that was a last minute substitution. That yeah, the I don't old, know if it served The old me. adage, don't change your gear the yeah. day before the race. We're cutting wetsuits. <laughs> we made a last minute decision to cut the sleeves off our wetsuit, which was a good one. Yeah. Because the water wasn't that cold. I mean, it was, it was cold. It was 58. It wasn't it, like warm. No, but it, but it was not uh, worrisome. Right. Exactly. And it, it felt good in there. And so that was fine. Um, you then put those sleeves onto your calves and use them as sort of compression yeah. socks Which would, and that was smart i used these other kind of i, I decided not to use a pull buoy everybody put uses a pull straps a yeah. pull buoy to he the waist of their the leg pull buoy idea the last second yeah so i decided not to do that because it's such a hassle getting in and out i actually still stand by that i think mm -hmm. I, it would have messed me up to be always fiddling with that thing um, and i had these kind of padded flotation uh, calf sleeves on that Jonas Jonas Colting, who's won this race many times and won Ultraman and has done this race every single year. He started a wetsuit company and that's one of his products. And he gave me a pair of those and I wore, they actually work pretty well. Like my legs would float quite well. So yeah. I don't know that the no pull buoy thing was that big of a deal. It might've been, if I had it strapped to my back and had figured out and practiced with it a little bit more, maybe that would have been fine. Which we but saw a lot of competitors. A lot of people were doing that. Their strapping. kits were like totally dialed in. And these yeah. guys, that know what they're doing, who are experienced, it's really quite something to watch them execute. They're just hopping on these rocks and just skipping along and they're so fast on these transitions and they train out on this course. Yeah. They know exactly where to get out of the swim, where to put their feet, which rock to climb up, like it's all scoped and yeah. they've just got it dialed. And then the tether, which mm -hmm. was interesting. We learned a lot about that because it would have allowed me to pull you at certain sections and then you know, it also keeps you close enough. I could have also helped you out of the water because you're tethered to the person who's on land, whether that's you or me. Right. Because there were a couple of times where you took a way better line getting out than I did. 
So a lot of it makes more sense in hindsight. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, again, we we knew that going in that we're going to have a massive learning curve here. And so if if you'd look at Attilo the way we do now for the World Championships, you, you would approach it completely differently from not necessarily from the training. I think we would maybe add another segment into our training weekly where you do more of that obstacle running. Right. Um, and of course, in the 24 hours before the race started, I reminded Rich, like, remember, we want to run like we did, you know, on the big boulders in Tahoe when we're coming down that climb. He's like, what? Wait, what What? what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think I wouldn't change the big days, like no. the big long runs that we did and the big sort of swim run simulation workouts that we did. It's a mile run here. Yeah. And, I mean, and I think we were well served by having that. And I think that that's probably something that a not, not a lot of the athletes do. They don't have that huge endurance base. But rather than do like a lot of tempo runs or interval work, I would find some kind of bouldery place where I would, you know, work on my scrambling and my climbing yeah. and, and get more functionally strong, spend, spend some time in the gym, you mm -hmm. know, focus on core work a little bit more and even just, you know, just general overall strength and, and agility, like mm -hmm. doing agility exercises. So I get comfortable, like tiptoeing around and, and landing on uneven surfaces and all of that. Cause yeah, I run trails and I do lots of elevation and I do quite a bit of volume. But I had zero experience with that at all. Like it's just a skill I've never developed, mm -hmm. and that was the primary skill I think that that you know distinguishes the people who really know what they're doing from everybody else. Yeah, you have to be able to withstand that first. What did Jonas say? Three and a half, three to three and a half first hours. Three and a half really hours. Yeah. Technical hard terrain in order to then still have the fitness and the legs and the the energy to then open it up to make it more of an endurance race, exactly. Yeah. But I would also say that our training, you know, had we not had the quad stuff and, and the issues with the, the cramping, um, it would have been interesting to see where we would have shaken out. Um, if let's say you take all our walk segments out of it, or you take all of our slower segments where we're dealing with that, I mean, you know, you throw us an hour more uh, faster. Or we could slice an hour off it, yeah. no problem. Yeah, and so that you know that puts us into for not ever having done this. So despite not having the ex the, the expertise of the unique climbing and bouldering and, and traversing and and um, bushwhacking, we would have been pretty far up there another hour faster. So yeah. I think our fitness did display itself. And I think there's a space in swim run, which for a lot of the athletes that did the race yesterday that could use more endurance training. But that brings us back to what Attilo and swim run actually is. And most places, it's a totally different type of training and different type of race. Well, yeah, the other races are much shorter. Exactly. And it's more threshold and it's more speed and it's more swim favored and it's much easier on the body. You get out on beaches mm -hmm. <laughs> versus straight up a boulder. Yeah. So we finished in 10 hours and 44 minutes or something like that. Something like something that. Like yeah. that. Uh, we were 41st. The four, We came it? in 41st place. Yeah. I think we were the fastest American team. There were, I think there were three American teams, right? Yeah, I think we, so yeah, we were, yeah, the, sure. were the, we're the reigning American champions in the highly competitive, yeah. uh, burgeoning swim run scene in the yeah. United States. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it, it, it's worth talking a little bit about, um, about the integrity of this race and the kind of ethos mm -hmm. 
that the that the series and the race founders have have really crafted and promote through Odolo. Like Michael, who's kind of the face of the sport, he created um, he created the race with its Mots, right? As his partner. Yeah, they're the they're the media company that owns the rights right. and so on. Yeah. And Michael is just a beautiful guy. Like I knew he I was guess. a special guy, but the night um, before the race, when we had the race meeting. And you got to hear him get up and talk and, and, and really kind of recollect the history of how Swim Run began and his aspirations for not just the day to follow, but what he wants this world to be all about are really, you know, beautiful. Like it's all about sustainability. It's about it's about natural preservation. Um, they have a rule that if you are caught littering at all, it's an immediate disqualification. You cannot drop anything on the course whatsoever. Uh, at all the aid stations, they had high quality natural products, not just gels and sugary drinks, but they had homemade energy balls, like homemade, like, I, I don't know what was in them. Like, I think it was like cacao and dates and nuts and maybe some coconut or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Super tasty. You know, I was eating those all day long, those and bananas. Mm -hmm. um, they had a, a, an electrolyte drink called precision hydration, which is a very low glycemic drink um, and that worked really well for me so yeah they don't want any junk they don't want you dropping junk and they don't want you ingesting junk throughout the race and and i think that's a beautiful sentiment it's all about like celebrating this these extraordinary locations where they hold these races and and really holding them in high regard and respecting them and the human connection was amazing too i mean he brings these 300 athletes into this room in the middle of nowhere in the world right and he immediately connects with everybody in the room. Well, before that, he hugs every single person as we get off right. the ferry. You get off the ferry, you get a hug. Yeah. And he, as if he knows your story already. And then he has this very passionate description of the race and why it means so much to him and how it truly is in partnership. And you look out for one another. And until you go through the race, even if it were less extreme than yesterday, we understand it better in the extreme conditions from yesterday. But it truly is about looking out for your partner and looking out for the people around you mm -hmm. because there is a big component in that yesterday where if you're not careful, bad things can happen. And he realized that way back when he took over this race. And he wants people to look out for each other, to go from this spot in the world, 300 people as ambassadors of human connection and caring for each other and the people around you and he lives it he breathes it he displays it i mean we got a hug at coming off the ferry mm -hmm. we got a hug at the finish line right we got a hug leaving today i mean the guy is just so connected to every one of his ambassadors that go out into the world having having experienced this amazing location and event it's very unique. Um, you just don't you don't normally see that kind of character, uh, and it spills into every aspect of the race. And yeah, one of the things he said in that in that opening on the at the opening night was, "Look, if you see somebody who's in trouble, like you stop and you help that person. This it's is like, no I don't longer care. a race. Yeah, it's like it's not a race anymore for you. Yeah. And you know, we didn't experience that in the extreme, with the exception of that one person early on who fell, and and that person was being attended to. But there were plenty of times where somebody some other competitor reached their hand out to help yeah. pull me up a rock and i pushed people you know people up from the butt and yeah. you know you're all just kind of in there yeah. doing you're it together yeah. and that was really cool and the other thing is 
they do an amazing job with storytelling. Like, have you ever been to a, an ultra race where they have a live webcast, simulcast, that's on YouTube that goes for, it was on for like 12 hours. Yeah, it's And they amazing. get professional sportscasters who've done their homework and they have crews out on the course mm -hmm. at, you know, with the top guys and in the middle and all the way at the back and they're telling stories the entire time. And I kind of tweeted that out like, hey, if you want to watch, you know, here's where you can do it. So many people thought, oh, well, I'll just check in and see how Chris and Rich are doing. And they and got, they got pulled, pulled in, in. Yeah. and they're like at work just watching it for hours yeah. or staying up super late into the I night. Heard, like I to, heard back from people to watch like it. that too. Yeah. yeah, and they're yeah. like, this is, and it's just blowing people's minds. They're like, yeah. I knew it was hard, but like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. So I think the fact that they prioritize that and they understand that, you know, having their media dialed in really helps tell their story and espouse the the ethics and the and the the ideals that they're trying to promote through their race like it's 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 a really cool thing to watch and i also think it's great they're taking that over from that core four because we met a few of the core four over the last few mm -hmm. days and those original four that came up with this event on a bet on the back of a napkin that live out there and are familiar with out there they just talk the same way and they um the human aspect and the nature aspect is exactly the same message. So Michael took over this race, really bringing that to another level of wanting to promote what they felt and saw and realized with this event originally to a bigger platform. So what are your, uh, what's your biggest takeaways from the experience? Well, one that I absolutely loved it. Yeah, you <laughs> it was, were like all in, man. You're I was ready all to go. day. I was laughing and high fiving. And just to know, Chris, is to know like the harder it is, the harsher the conditions, the more difficult it is. Like the more elated you become, <laughs> like you just start to just get like ecstatic. You yeah, know, the more pretty, difficult it, it is. It was pretty visible yesterday that <laughs> yeah. I was having a great time. Well, at the finish line, when we got the hug from Michael and he's like, you know, he's asking you questions or whatever, you're just like, yeah. You were just like beaming like that was the most and you've done i mean how yeah. many of these kind of races have you done you nothing know it's not like, like nothing this, surprises you right but no no but this really was a new level of adventure and it's it's exactly what i keep saying right when you can use your lifelong experience and fitness and walk into an adventure like t yesterday was and be able to soak it all in and live it and breathe it and smile through it and enjoy it, that's fitness, right? That's health and fitness to me in the ultra endurance world where it's like you can take on an adventure like that and just soak it all up like a sponge and finish with that elation and that smile that we had is is so rewarding. It, it was really great. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the highlights of my life. Like I, I just... I can't believe we did it, you know, in, in hindsight, looking back, like it was just yesterday, like yesterday at this time we were in it, you know, yeah. and I was like, oh my God, yeah. such a hard day. But then to complete it is just the most incredible feeling because it was, it just doled out more adventure than you can possibly imagine. It was yeah. just extraordinary. And, you know, some of the Swedes were like, sorry, the weather was so crazy. And it's like, are you kidding? Like yeah. we live in California. like. If we're gonna do this, like just yeah. bring everything you got, and I it, kept, they, you know, <laughs> I kept saying before the race, uh, after the race, to people, they're like, "What'd you think?" And I was like, "If I wrote down in a journal before we came here what 
the perfect, cool, you know, adventure would have been about this day or how I envisioned it, it would have been yesterday. Yeah. Right. Of course, I didn't understand at that point what that meant with regards to the swims and how harsh the conditions could be if it, it's blowing like that and the chop and the distances in the water. But it was everything that I could have asked for um, for that type of event. And, yeah. you know, the other thing that I wanted to say is that, of course, it was an amazing day, but to experience it as a team with you, I mean, that was a, it was so much fun too because never worrying about us finishing and just sort of being able to focus on each other as not, hey, you can do it, man. It was more just like, this is this is how our day is. Right. And we're just gonna experience it and let it unfold how it unfolded, which was complete rookies turning around the next turn going, all right, here we yeah, are. Like, cool. Oh, we're, now we're going to go up that, exactly. I, I guess. You I mean, know? I'm totally grateful for that because it was such a beautiful aspect of it that we're both so new. Like doing it with somebody that would have done it before, it, it's not the same. But mm -hmm. I knew going around a corner, I was like, he's thinking the same thing I'm thinking. Right, because they'd be, they'd be, it would be much more serious, all business. Yeah. Okay, here's where we yeah. tack left. This is where we do this. Yeah. And I mean, even in that, you, you the idea like that, that, the idea that I had, like when I was when we finished that the thirteen mile run, was that mm -hmm. okay? We're basically done. Like yeah. there's just a couple <laughs> short segments we're done. But then I looked at we wrote all the distances on our hand paddle, and I kind of did some math, and I was like, wait, we still have nine segments to go. And it was the classic and, ultra endurance um, volunteer that goes, hey. You're almost done. Right, I know. <laughs> You're like, no, we're not. Yeah, no, there's quite a bit to go. And even the the swims were really short at the end, but there were there were like these gigantic bald faced rocks where we literally had to like scale down forty feet to yeah. get to the shore, like trying to figure out how how are we gonna get down there and, and not kill ourselves. And then that amusement park flume. I mean, you wouldn't draw make a flume like that in an amusement park because it, it would be too fast. But it was that perfect. The current was going so water fast. going across that rock. <laughs> I, and I was like, what is this? Some sort of <laughs> flume joke that we're just gonna walk through? Uh -huh. But no, it was deep enough that the water was moving through so quickly yeah unbelievable well thank you for uh for coming up with this harebrained idea and enlisting me to do this with you because it was just it was a beautiful gift that i will never forget my entire life and me it's too. been a pleasure uh you know preparing for it and doing it with you i mean it, it was just it was an honor to do it with you like i just i can't imagine it, it being any different and so thank you for that Thank you. I mean, I was saying to others the, the, this morning, like being able to do it with you. And then we have this amazing opportunity to not only have these memories in our mind, but we have it all documented right. with our photographer. We have Tomas here who came on his own accord because he was inspired by the adventure and he wanted to photograph it. And so, uh, Tomas, why don't you come over here for a minute or grab Chris's mic? We have these amazing he, images he of our day. Incredible, so incredible it, photographs. I mean, he was in a wetsuit all day in these boats, uh, pitching around and then getting out of the boat and climbing up on the rocks and anticipating our arrival to be in the perfect place to take these pictures. And we would see him there in this wetsuit with the wetsuit booties on in rain gear with his with his camera covered in all kinds of plastic to prevent it from getting damaged. I mean, what was that what was that like for you? I mean, it had to be you had your own ultra event to contend with. <laughs> well, thanks for that. Um 
Yeah, I mean, the whole event was um, was just such a big production. You know, uh, my my biggest fear going into it was how are we going to um, logistically how are we gonna do this? And um, and as we as we got along, I mean, first of all, I just wanted to say thank you to Josephine. Um, she's the PR organizer for the race, um, and um, and everybody over there on the on the course, and it was just fantastic getting the help from the driver the boat driver he, he knew exactly where to drop me off where to find where to find you guys and especially emily as well because she was actually looking over the the the, the scoreboard and where everybody is i think you guys have gps trackers on, on you right so that, that was mm-hmm. that was uh that was great so so it was it was intense um the wets would help um i was looking at um jacob jacob is the official photographer Mm-hmm. I've seen his pictures and I was like, you know what, he's wearing a wetsuit over there. That's a good idea. And <laughs> little did I know, actually the wetsuit was a was a I think it was a five millimeter thick wetsuit and it was just perfect. And I had these booties and I was running in those booties on those rocks behind you guys. And <laughs> it was it was slippery, but you know, I felt like, you know, like this this is my chance right now. I have to follow you guys and get what I can. And honestly, you know, when I finished and I was like, I hope something came out of it because it was raining sideways. It was getting cold there. I think, you know, you guys were pretty warm all day because you were moving so much. But we had moments where we just sit there and just don't do anything and just wait in a boat. And <laughs> there were moments that we just had to just jump around and just, just keep warm all, all day, you know? Right. And um, so you're in a wetsuit for like 11 hours yesterday, <laughs> pretty much <laughs> to take pictures. It's, it's still drying in, the, in my room over there upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> so is it what you expected? Uh, if way more than that. I mean, I was expecting, you know, just beautiful vi- visuals and everything, but the, the weather just really turned it up. And honestly, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Right. I was in my element. In your say. element, man. Yeah. Well, we're really glad and grateful that you came. It's been fantastic. cool. You know, it's cool that you came up to Tahoe and we got to know you a little bit. It might have been a little bit weird if we hadn't met you and you showed up. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so I think it was great that it worked out that way. And, yeah. you know, we've seen some of the pictures that you took, not all of them, but a couple selects and they're they're fantastic and they'll, they'll be cherished, you know, forever from this experience. So I can't thank it, you man. enough for that. It was interesting. Is what's the guy's name? Who's the main? Pho- Jacob is the main photographer for uh, the I race. Think Jacob at home. Sorry, Jacob, if I mess up your name. Yeah. Um, uh, but his photos are amazing, and he was in the water. He like, was in the water. At one point, just I swam right by him, him, and he's literally like in the water in a wetsuit with his camera taking pictures. Like it was crazy. Yeah. Um. I'm, what can I say? I would love to come back over there and photograph the whole race. Um. My main focus is to find you guys and get shots of you. Um. Mm-hmm. And it was that was the biggest challenge. Um. And going in, and and again, I want to thank the organizers, especially uh, Josephine. For help me helping me find the driver with the boat, um, and uh, and uh, Caleb was his name was the driver of the boat, and he was those like you were talking about the pig swim, those swells over there. <laughs> I was sitting on the on the little ledge behind the boat, right, and I never had a, um, a life vest on, but uh, he saw me just bobbing the up and down on the back of the boat. He's like, "Hey, put this on right right away," yeah, you know, because we were going up and down, up and down, and uh, but you were, you know. Halfway through the race, we figure out how to put the heat on because <laughs> it's gotten yeah. cold and the, the boat wasn't working right. And actually, we lost power in, in the first couple of hours. So the boat was just going really slowly until we had to pull over to a little, um, a little marina over there. And they figured out how to... I think that the engine 
overfilled with water or something like that. Um, so again, the organizers came through that they, they, they helped me jump on their press boat and and they really took care of, of me and everybody there. And it was just, you know, like you feel love in this race. It was you there to experience the nature, but but you feel love from from everybody around you. You know, yeah. it was fantastic. Yeah, it was cool. Like even at the end, the very final two kilometers or whatever, there you are, you and Emily, like sitting in the back of a car, like driving in front. I was like, where'd you get this car? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't know where we got this car either. I mean, apparently everybody knows each other over there, you know, and uh, um, Caleb was saying in winter, I think in February, that Utah, which is the final island, I think there's maybe like five or six people living there. <laughs> right, on the whole island. So I guess everybody knows each other. And here there was a car, somebody from his family, I guess. Um, They're like, sure, drive on the course. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I know this road. You know, we, I, can, I can drive you all the way to the finish line. I was like, what? <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, it was great. Well, uh, I look forward to seeing the rest of the pictures. And, you know, truly an honor and a privilege to have you along with us. And I'm so glad that, that you enjoyed it. My pleasure. Well. It was my pleasure. It was great. Thank yeah, and I want to thank you know everybody from the organization as well, uh, Michael and Mots, and all the amazing staff members and people associated with the race. We were just treated with grace and dignity, and we were welcomed. Um, you know, it would have been easy for them to say, "Oh, these guys, they they don't, you know, they've never done this before. Who do they think they are, or anything like that?" But everyone was just amazing and wonderful, and we just met so many cool people. Yeah, and the competitors were yeah. amazing too. Yeah. All so welcoming and so friendly. It was is just all part of the bigger experience. I know. So final thoughts before we wrap it up? I think everything that we prepared for prepared us somewhat for the day. But I think we come out of it not only fitter, stronger, smarter, but also with experiences that just make us better athletes, healthier athletes smarter athletes and it's a good launching point for whatever you want to do next mm -hmm. i don't know what that's going to be got to figure that it'll out take some time yeah it's um, hard to top this too i mean yeah the emotions the intensity of the experience to go to much of anything else you have to sort of temper it down because you can't match what that was right so thank you chris Thank you to everybody associated with Otelo, and thank you to all the competitors that welcomed us. And I also wanted to thank uh, all you guys out there who are listening to this. Um, we were on the receiving end of just a, an amazing groundswell of support out there. Um, it's been a privilege and an honor to kind of share and be transparent about my preparation leading up to this. And, you know, I kind of diligently put everything up on Instagram stories. Like, here's my workout today. I just wanted to like, here's what I'm doing, you know, leading up to it. And and uh, and then right before the race, kind of tweeting out and saying, oh, if you want to watch the race, here's mm -hmm. the live cast and so many people jumping on board. And then just getting so much like beautiful feedback from people out there who, who watched it, who were cheering for us. And that means a lot. That's an amazing thing. And so thank you for that, because that was truly uh, wind in our sails. And I don't take it lightly, and I appreciate it greatly. That's it. I think we did it. Yeah. Anything else you want to say? You know, I think um, our fitness and how we came into it prepared was the best we could do. I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't look back and say we couldn't have done anything different or better. Sure, now that we know more, but I think we did a pretty good job going into it with our little swim runs, with our training camp, with our long runs, with our 
swim fitness because it was sure nice going into every swim yesterday just this i got this yeah the swim was not a problem yeah. i enjoyed every swim i didn't struggle with any of the swimming exactly. whatsoever i wish there was more swimming yeah. you know <laughs> as a matter of fact so that was great like i wouldn't change a thing about that yeah and so from the coach's corner aspect of it it's like for given that we didn't know the exact details of the race i think we were pretty well prepared and i i like what we did and how our build-up was and we're healthy we both said that at the start of the race mm -hmm. like you know what we're here healthy we're here fit and now let's see how the day will unfold and i think healthy emotionally like we yeah. went into it with a healthy dose of humility we weren't in it thinking you know having some kind of grand expectations about how we were going to measure up we were very in touch with the fact that we were going to be towing the line with people that know a lot more about this than we do and and just being oh, totally okay that's yeah like yeah. we're not here to like impress anybody we're here to participate yeah you know and i think i think that was appreciated on their part as well like yeah just i think we of, respected you know, the race yeah. for sure i think, and I think we that's were important fair competitors that respected what this race is and the racers it spits out right because in the wake of there's probably gonna be some people that are listening to this or like i want to you know there's gonna they may have an influx of people next mm -hmm. year as a result of all the sharing that that we've been doing about this who are going to want to do it and uh and i would say to those people out there it's the adventure of your lifetime like go for it but understand that this is unlike anything that you've ever done and it does require that healthy dose of humility and a level of preparation uh, that's going to be completely different to anything that you're used to no matter how advanced you are in triathlon or ultra running oh yeah how many times did he say during the pre-race meeting this is not triathlon <laughs> yeah i know well i think they have a history of triathletes coming yeah, in who, yeah. who think they have it all dialed in and and they're they're ill-equipped to prepare to to sort of uh you know understand that this really is a different beast altogether so awesome man we did it i feel great i'm so grateful uh what an incredible extraordinary experience i mean i knew that we would walk away from from this with great memories but i had no idea that it would just be you know in, in many ways sort of life defining like it really is you know something that i just will i will never forget and i will always cherish i will never forget labor day 2017 <laughs> yeah. ever again i even said to you during the race yesterday this sure beats barbecuing yeah <laughs> i know right we could be doing that there's one guy who has all of the islands on the course tattooed on his leg yeah and i was like well i don't have any tattoos but if if i was going to get a tattoo that's that would be as good as anyone uh -huh. i could possibly imagine getting all those islands you know inked on me to, to not that i need the reminder because you know i don't need to be reminded of what what it entailed so all right, man. Well, thanks for spending the hour with me. Thank you. Thank you, Tomas. Uh, if you want to learn more about Utala and Swim Run, you can go to utalaswimrun.com. They did, like we mentioned earlier, they did this live cast. It was 12 hours long, uh, but it's on YouTube. So if you have 12 hours <laughs> to waste, you can watch it. But there's actually a lot of video. If you just search on YouTube, you'll find a lot of cool videos. Um, sometime this winter, they'll put up like an edited, like sort of 30 minute like 30 minute version of, this of it. Year, yeah. Last year's was just gripping and amazing. So you can watch the 2016 one that's up there now and I'll alert everyone when the next one comes up. Uh, if you want to connect with Chris and all of his wisdom, the best way to do that is aimpcoaching.com or he's at, at aimpcoach on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, anything else you want to let people know about? 
No, that's good. All right. And what's next for you? I don't know either, but um, I definitely like this swim run. Yeah, you're hooked. you're hooked. I might be hooked, but, you know, of course we did the ultra endurance version of it. The other ones are way shorter, so I might not be as enthralled by it. Mm-hmm. So, but it might be fun. I think there's four races in the United States right now. There's one in North Carolina, San Diego, Maine, I think it's the big yeah. one. And there's, I think there's one other one. And they're growing it quickly. Yeah, now. so perhaps we could hit a couple of those. Yeah, and, and exactly. It would be fun to kind of help welcome the scene to the united states like this is a beautiful and fantastic and super fun alternative for the burned out triathlete yeah. and the fact that there are a couple races people are now starting to kind of hear about it i see the sport growing like it is absolutely in its infancy in the united states um it's it's you know people in in northern europe are all about it like the yeah. day before the race i did a training session with jonas colting and a couple other people and we were running all over the streets of stockholm in wetsuits and jumping in the water and swimming across channels and getting out and like dodging tourists and business people it was crazy you know and then yeah. we i posted on instagram like we're in the lobby of the grand hotel which is like the waldorf astoria in like dripping wet wetsuits and i'm like this tonight. is crazy yeah, yeah no and and but in stockholm like there's groups of people that are training this all the time like yeah. they see it and they're like oh yeah those are swim run people like it's a thing here yeah and so i think it's only a matter of time before it becomes a thing in the united states and to the extent that we can be um, kind of encouraging catalyzers for that that would be really cool too as well as keeping with the theme that we've been given right with what we learned up on that island of with the human connection and the nature connection of not of giving back while you're doing this yeah. sport yeah and that was a big alluring point um, from the very beginning like the fact that that ethos is what this world is all about was one of the reasons why i wanted to do this race because i wanted to i wanted to be part of that yeah, part we of definitely that felt that and to be part of it maybe as ambassadors here in the united states and taking part in some of the growing events to help continue on that message i think is respectful to those core four that started it and michael the race director and also what we believe in yeah absolutely all right man we did it awesome how you feel I feel great. Good, man. All right. Well, let's go enjoy our final hours in Stockholm. All righty. All right, everybody. I'll be back here in a couple of days with another episode of the podcast. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Rich Roll. Uh, and I'm just going to leave it at that. That's it for today. Thanks, you guys. Uh, see you soon. Peace. Plants. Namaste. Yeah.